Hey, welcome back, everybody. You're on the showroom show. Today, our guest is Steve Newcomer, who is the inside sales for HVAC at Hughes Supply, right next to the Savannah showroom. Tell us just a little bit about where you come from and how you came into this industry, Steve. Well, I'm from originally from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And up in Pennsylvania, it's a depressed economy, has been for decades. And I just needed a full-time job. And I got hired by Hajoka in 1989 as a part-time truck driver. And I continued to advance, 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 because I'm the guy that likes to learn everything he can. And in 2015, I got given the opportunity to move south because the guy who was the original manager invited me down here. Okay, wait, you were in Pennsylvania in what city? Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Johnstown, is that Amish? No. No, it's no, not. Because I know we both but, like a good apple butter. Yeah, yeah. But I, well, <laughs> I worked at the Johnstown store, the Somerset store, the Bedford store, and back to the Somerset store. So I moved around at four different stores because it was one manager, four stores. It was like a big branch store and then three satellites. And I worked at two of the three satellites. Wow, you all over. And this was in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then how did you get down here? Um, well, I had the opportunity to move to Myrtle Beach. If I could find a job, I had a guy give me a house and move to Myrtle Beach. Well, Dan Middleton, who was my former boss, he uh, knew I wanted, my wife wanted to move by the beach. So when he got the opportunity to come here, he asked me to come with him. So I originally came here to work on the plumbing end, and I learned a little bit of HVAC, and he's seen how much I like that. So he just moved me into HVAC, and I, you know, so 2015, I didn't know the difference between a heat pump and an air conditioner. But right now, I, my customers consider me very knowledgeable, and they take my word. Whatever I say, that's what they do. So I've learned a lot in seven years. I know that to be true. I know you're the go-to guy for me and just about everybody here if we have questions about it. And we're going to jump right into this. So first of all, for anyone that is listening uh, for the first time about HVAC, the letters HVAC stand for heating, ventilation, and? Air conditioning. There you go. So most of us think, uh, oh, I need an air conditioning unit set up in my home. But that's not really, that's f- kind of cutting it short, right? Yeah, that's just a basic, because everybody thinks air conditioning means cold air. But you've got uh, down here a lot more heat pumps than there is air conditioning. Air conditioning is usually when you have a gas system in your house, and you go with that. But the heat pump is more predominantly when it's only electric heat available, and they work very efficient too. Okay, so the uh, AC only cools. HVAC is it heats and cools and ventilates? What's Correct. important in the ventilation part? Oh, you got to get you got to have proper airflow throughout the house in order to exchange the air from the supply, bringing out the fresh cold air or hot air, and it gets sucked back into the unit to recirculate through the through the heat exchanger to make it either hot or cold. So break this down for me. If I'm a a person, which I almost am, that doesn't really understand a lot of what we're talking about, when I purchase a new home or I have a home built. And it comes time for them to put the HVAC system in. Just on a kindergarten level, break down for me, like, what's that big thing on the outside? What's it going to look like, the installation on the inside? And what do I need to be concerned about? Well, on the outside, if it's a heat pump, that would be your heat pump system, which makes hot, 
were cold because it, it has a valve in it that changes the flow of freons. So it's either condensing inside or outside, and it makes heat or cold depending on which way it's flowing. And then inside, usually in this neck of the woods, in the attic or above the ceiling, is the air handler. And that's just a, a box with another coil, which takes the freon the other way. Um, you know, and it just it takes the humidity out of the air and it changes it to hot, from hot to cold air going through there. And then that goes through a duct system in your house, which, uh, again, uh, most people around here, there's some that use solid pipe. Most people use flex duct off a trunk line. And the only thing you physically see is that outdoor unit sitting there and then the nice light, white little grills on your wall, your floor, or ceiling where the air comes out. Like every room theoretically yeah. mm -hmm. has a vent mm -hmm. yes. in it. So when they're building the house and you look and you see those great big, round usually aluminum piping mm -hmm. that goes through the house mm -hmm. that's obviously to distribute yeah, the air throughout right. the that, whole house that would be usually your trunk line yeah then down here they got it insulated so it's wrapped with insulation to keep it from sweating and then branching off of that are smaller lines going to the individual rooms which have boots at the end of it that that's what you put your grills on too. that's the good comment about the insulation so they don't want it to sweat because because when you're blowing cold air, when it meets with warm air, it'll condense and you'll get moisture on the pipes. And you don't want water in your no, attic. You don't want no water anywhere. Nope. You don't want that mm -hmm. anywhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so people that are professional and that do this for a living, they're going to be having that conversation with their customer about the types of insulation, which there's a whole bunch of different kinds that they could do. Right. The basic code down here is that if it's a spray foam house, they can do everything in R6. If it's just a fiberglass insulated house, they got to use R8. And the difference is the thickness of the fiberglass around the, the jacket on the flex duct or the thickness of the fiberglass you have to wrap your pipes with. And which that, that wrapping is called flex. No, the the duct work is called flex, but yes. we use we use duct wrap that goes around your trunk lines and stuff. It's either two inches or three inches, depending on the R value that you have to have for your codes. Okay, very good. So the big box on the outside is the if it's a it's at your heat pump, and like I said, or if it's a gas system, that would be your air conditioner. Okay, and so we mentioned about professionals doing this. So here at Hughes Supply. At the counter, do we just sell HVAC to anyone? No. In order to buy the equipment, which would be your indoor unit or outdoor unit, you need to be a licensed, registered HVAC. You got to have an HVAC installer's license. So I, if I let's say I'm building my own home and serving as my own general contractor, and I'm like everybody, I'm trying to save money. Can I go somewhere and buy my own HVAC unit and try and get that thing installed on my own? Is that something I can do? Uh, there are places that will do that. Uh, and, again, everybody says, well, I can buy it on the Internet. Well, then a lot of times what you may have a hard time doing is getting someone to install it because most guys don't want to install what they don't purchase because they've got to stand behind it with warranty. So if you buy your own stuff to save a few dollars and then it breaks down, you call the guy up and he tells you this is what's going to cost you to fix it. Your first thing is going to say, but it's brand new. It should be under warranty. Right. It's under your warranty. You bring up something that comes up regularly in just about every area of the business. We are extremely friendly and open to technology here. We uh, utilize technology. But when, it, when we talk about purchasing either HVAC or plumbing or showroom items, what is the benefit that you share with customers or that you feel yourself of dealing with a wholesale house versus going online and buying it? Well, what I what I found recently, uh, um, I had uh, was told that you can buy he can I could buy a dehumidifier online cheaper than he can buy it off me. Buying it online, you get a one year warranty. 
buying it off me. It's a five-year warranty. And they tell you that right in the uh, right in the Honeywell section of their, their warranty thing. If it's an online purchase, it's a one-year warranty. And some manufacturers have no warranty when you buy it online. So it, it's all about take a chance and save a few dollars that you're not going to have to pay to fix it or spend a few extra dollars and know that if something goes wrong, someone's fixing it for free. And it seems like it's fair to say something always goes wrong at yeah, some point. You know, it's not a matter of if, but when. If the, Correct. And it's, I mean, it is machinery. Mm-hmm. Now, I, um, so the warranty is a really, really big part mm-hmm. of being able to have the, the peace of mind and dealing with a wholesale house. What I have shared with customers, and I know you do this regularly, is that when something goes wrong, the installer stands by his install, and we stand by the equipment. Correct. They don't have to go a long time without heat or air. No, usually not. I mean, with the supply chain issues the way they are, sometimes you have that one part that might take a little bit of time to get, but we usually try to figure out a way to make it work. So we have good relationships with the professional installers and companies that buy their product from us. We are, uh, I want to talk for a second about the brand that we talk about, uh, that we uh, encourage is Ream, right? Yes. Uh, tell us about Ream. How do you feel about it versus other other brands that are out there? Uh, well, I'm just going to go by what I'm told by our installing contractors. There's several contractors that when they started their business, they wanted Ream because they subcontracted off of other manufacturers, you know, other other larger companies that install other products, and they thought the Ream was by far superior. Um, I had a couple complaints issued to me about Ream that the metal's too heavy. It's hard to put zip screws in it. Well, that's a pretty good complaint to have that they're saying your metals are too heavy. They like the thinner metals on the jackets. Um, um, but they are uh, one of the industry leaders. Uh, it, it may not have the name recognition as a carrier or train because they advertise more, and uh, you know, so people know that because they hear it on TV all the time. But uh, I think it was just a couple of years ago, Train was ranked as number one on Consumer Reports for residential HVAC. And maybe not the largest, but the best, which is always a better thing. I'd rather have the best than the largest. And uh, it, it, they have a good warranty program. That it's five years out of the box. If you register, it goes to 10 years. If you're putting in a high sear and it's put in by one of our pro partners, they have a no, no, hassle question, no questions, no hassle unit replacement if there's a major component failure. So... We just yank the unit out, give you another one, and they start over. And, again, you're speaking about Ream, Yes, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you mentioned a term called SEER, S-E-E-R. Mm-hmm. Again, for uh, a non-expert, a beginner, when they're looking for an HVAC unit, what does the SEER rating mean? I, you know what? I get confused on that. I've asked that a dozen times, and they get different answers. It means something, and if you look the definition up, it's pretty understandable. But we've recently, because <laughs> the government is involved in this, have changed. There's no longer SEER rating. It is now SEER 2. The SEER 2 rating. SEER 2 rating, and they have to have a minimum 14.3 SEER 2 rating on the new equipment, which would be about equal to what the old SEER rating was on a 15 SEER. But the importance of the term is around the idea of efficiency. Yeah, it, it's an efficiency quote and factor and all this stuff, and I can't remember what the numbers mean. I just know the SEER ratings, and I know the different equipment we have and what ratings they are. So the higher the SEER number, the, the more, higher the, the efficiency. and the less it should cost you to operate. Okay, and so the importance of that is because there is so much conversation about coal and emissions and going green, and we see in our industry that uh, our government 
is very serious about going green. And so in the HVAC industry, uh, the SEER rating, as you said, changed to SEER 2, and they're more and more becoming more efficient. They're mm -hmm. now getting involved in the coolants. They're getting involved mm -hmm. in just about every area because eventually, as you see it, what do they want the HVAC industry to look like? They want it to be all electric. That's said they're going to work a way that you don't have gas furnaces, you don't have nothing anymore. They want it all to be high-efficiency, electrically run stuff. And, of course, they want the electric provided by re, uh, renewable sources. Um, and, and I think we're a long ways off from that, uh, but they want it tomorrow. The one thing that is for sure is it is happening. Oh, yeah, it's coming, and it, it, it's, it's head down the road, and you're not get, it's not getting off the track. In fact, there were units that we had for years and years that as of the beginning of, the, of 2023, we were no longer able correct. to and, sell. And, yeah, correct, and it was not a uh, until you run out of them deal. It was, a, it was a hard cutoff. You could sell it December 31st, January 1st. It was illegal to sell a 14-seer gas system. So that's another reason, uh, as a wholesale house, the determination of the brand. So Ream, who's uh, started in 1925, they're almost 100 years old. Um, they are the only manufacturer in the world that produces heating, cooling, water heating, pool spa heating, and commercial refrigeration products. They're the largest manufacturer of water heating products in North America. So... It, it is not a decision made lightly, right? We oh. really feel good about the relationship and the product that we offer our customers. Yes, and we have them ream water heaters in stock. Absolutely, in the, on the plumbing side. So mm -hmm. that's great. Now, I want to transition from this really, it's not a new thing, but it is becoming more and more in the minds of installers and now in homeowners, and that's this new thing that we call a mini-split. Mm -hmm. So the difference in what you just described, an HVAC unit, which is a fully ducted unit that has all that pipe and, and is insulated and uh, ends up in a room that has a vent where cold air or heat is coming out of, what is a ductless system? A ductless system, it has a condensing unit outside, and in multiple ways you could do the inside. The most popular is a wall mount unit. And then the only thing that runs between the outdoor unit and the indoor unit is a communication wire and a line set. So and none of that uh, crazy no, duct no, work. Nope. No. And then the thing that's nice about that, too, is on a regular heat pump system you're putting in, you're running a 40, 50, or 60-amp line and surface breaker to the outdoor unit. And the same to the indoor unit. Most of the mini splits maybe take a 20 to 25-amp to run both. So you're running less wire using less electricity to accommodate the same situation. So people that are listening, they may have been in um, a doctor's office or someone's home or a place upstairs and seen those really glossy, either white or glossy black mm -hmm. kind of rectangle uh, yeah. iPod-looking thing yeah, that's on yeah, the wall. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of sleek and nice mm -hmm. and, and techno-looking, and it, yeah. it provides yeah. air for that room. Correct. And what we, we we stock the the the, the, white, the, the most popular is the white, but I know with Mitsubishi, which is the line that we carry on them, they do a black and they do a silver, and they're, and they're very nice-looking units. It's just they're a little bit more expensive. But So those those ones that you can put really anywhere on the wall, right. but you guided us uh, when we were completing the showroom uh, in the cartridge units that are in the ceiling, and what are some of the benefits of those? Well, the benefits of those is, is, is there's multiple benefits. Is One is it's a four-way blow, so when you put it in a suspended ceiling somewhere, it's blowing air four different directions. 
uh, there's an optional eye you can buy on, which you really can't see. It is just a little dome. It rotates through the room. So if there's no activity in the room, it shuts that unit off. So it's like a motion sensor. Yeah, yeah. So you just you just turn it on and walk away. And if there's no activity in that room, it lowers the fan speed. It lowers it all down, and it just it don't run until someone walks in a the room. Then it comes back on to make it cool. So it's super efficient. It is. That's really cool. I don't know if you know this. I, d- I did a little bit of research on the idea of like Mitsubishi was really on the forefront of this whole thing. After World War II, U.S. manufacturers tried to get HV going in Japan, HVAC. But it didn't catch on, so the Japanese manufacturers went to work. And in 1958, they reinvented the ducted system that you described at the beginning into a ductless mini-split heating and cooling system, and we just call it the Mm mini-split. So after a while, it's interesting. I find that things that happen are going on in the world. Sometimes the U.S. is slow to adopt. Mm -hmm. They're a little uh, uh, not ready yet, but eventually... Mitsubishi started marketing to the homeowner directly, and there became such a, a cry for this product that U.S. manufacturers caught on, and now here we are today where mm-hmm. there's hundreds of thousands of mini splits sold every year just in the U.S. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, have you ever been in a room that had one of those mini splits that wasn't cold? No. Me either. In fact, we, no. my home, we have a one-level home except for this one bonus room. And I hear people talk about all the time, there's always that one room in their house if they have a ducted unit. I just can't get that room cool enough. So what we're seeing is people have a ducted system, mm-hmm. but they also will buy an additional mini split for that one room or the garage or the the basement or that one room they just can't get heated or cooled they can buy that cartridge unit or buy that unit that looks like a big fat ipod on the side of the Mm -hmm. wall and they're set yep yeah that happens all the time there's multiple houses we're doing the new construction they put a whole ducted system in and there's a mini split for the bonus room yeah there you go bonus Mm -hmm. rooms new Mm -hmm. additions Mm -hmm. garages basements attics all that kind of places that are just like odd to try and cool and uh, I really like the fact that they're attractive looking. They're, you know, from a design aspect, I've even seen people incorporate them into cabinetry with a grill on it. And there's kind of some interesting things that they can do with it. So, Steve, tell me if a, if a contractor comes in and he has uh, the plans, like the architectural renderings of the home, and maybe occasionally even the homeowner may come and just wanting some some advice. Like, where do they start? Like, how does a homeowner know what they're going to need in that house? Well, again, it's a, it's a budgetary thing because on the mini splits, like I said, you may have to put more of them in if you want it. Because up in the up in Macon or Macon store that we have, they did a multifamily townhouse project, fifty or sixty units, and they did the entire thing with multi-head mini splits. Mm-hmm. Two or three different mini splits scattered throughout the house and transfer fans to move it from one room to the other. And it way cheaper on the electric. Inst- and the initial install was even cheaper. But like I said, it cost up. Let me rephrase it. The install was a little more money, but the overall benefits of the less wire to run and the lower amperage to pull and the, the more efficient for the end user that was moving into the place was way, way out it way benefited more than a little bit of cost. Not to mention the savings on their electric bill every yeah, month. Yeah, that's, that's the, why the, the efficiency. The end person benefited from it because they're paying way less on electric every month instead of on a conventional system. Very but good. You need to know if they what they want what they're in the market for. 
Um, some people like high-tech and they like fancy stuff because, like I said, they're all remoted or hook it up to an app on your phone and turn it warmer, colder in your house, whatever you want to do. And, uh, and then that you can control the heat and cold in each room way better than you can with a regular ducted system because the ducted system turns on and it blows heat everywhere. And what do you say, like, with a, a person that just is really clueless about all of it and they have an average, say, 1,800, 2,500-square-foot house, do you go ducted or ductless? What do you advise them? I would I would talk them into mini, to, to ductless because it would be more efficient for them. Uh, it might be a little bit more costly, but like I said, it would be a more economical and efficient system for them in the long run because uh, even our base model on the mini splits are 17 to 18 sear. You know, so to go to that same sear rating in a conventional system, you're doubling or tripling the cost of what a base model is. So. And one more time, is a mini-split gas-operated or electric? It's all electric. So they're already ahead of the game as far as the efficiency and, and the, the, the carbon processing and all of that Correct. that goes on. Um, that's a lot of information, right? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> so in your work, what do you find in just – you've been in the wholesale industry for a long time. You've seen a lot of changes. What are, what are some of the challenges of being a wholesaler these days? Uh, well, again, with supply chain issues we've had over the last couple of years is, is staying up on product. Although our Ream is getting much better, we, we're stocked pretty heavy right now in Ream. We have more equipment back there than I've had in a long time. Um, Mitsubishi, same deal. They, uh, they were slow on shipping, but now we order stuff. It's here in a, a couple of weeks. We have our warehouse filled back up. Um, but the, the, the toughest thing is within our particular market is being competitive to our contractors. That you know, that they don't just say, "Well, I can buy it somewhere else a lot cheaper," and go on down the road. We got to keep them coming in here. We got to service them. We got to sell. We got to sell them, service them, and take care of any problems that arise. And it's a sometimes that's just a full time job. Which you're so good at. I I got to say this and make sure that you hear this again from me is like the customers. You're like the go to guy. First of all, you're like the guy that everybody wants to sit by in church. You're just you're just a <laughs> nice guy. You're a, 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 a what my grandpa used to call a stand-up guy. You're just mm -hmm. the type of person that's going to tell them what it is. Here's the deal. You're going to give them a fair deal. Uh, but if there's issues, you're going to let them know. You, you follow up with people. You're really great to work with. Your customers love working with you. I, I want to say one thing that you mentioned, that the supply chain issues, that kind of kind of tethers back to the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? So when we had a pretty good uh, manufacturing flow and everything was gone, when the pandemic hit, it really clogged the chain. It did. It, and, and like I said, some manufacturers are still behind the eight ball on that. We're, we're, we're waiting two and three months to get simple stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of the bigger stuff, like during the pandemic, with the conventional type systems, we couldn't get flex stock. Nobody could get flex stock. You could charge a fortune and you would get it because if you had it, everybody would pay whatever you wanted for it because you just couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. And on your conventional system, you use a lot of flex stock, whereas on the mini split, you just set it and forget it. Right. It's, yeah. So now it is better. The mm -hmm. manufacturing process is better, but you're right. I agree with you. There is still some catching up to do. Um, we're not hearing things like uh, over the phone. Yes, the expected delivery date is six months from now, so it is better than that. But we yes. still are finding yes. challenges to catch up, and it's yeah. it's not just our yeah, industry; it's yeah. the whole manufacturing yeah, there, industry. There's still there's still certain items, like I said, they could ship you nine out of ten, but that tenth item might be several months out, depending on if it's a 
big moving item, slow moving item. You know how the production goes. They they build their fast moving items first, and then they whittle everything in the same when they can. Well, you're good at your job, Steve. I try. Very to. good. You're married to Sue. Yep. How many years? I've been married to Sue for 41 years. 41 yeah. years. How many children? We have three children. And? And seven grandchildren, one great-grandchild. <laughs> you had to think about it a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? And so mm-hmm. they are taking up a lot of your time, yes? Yeah, not as much as I'd like. I'd like it to be more time, but they're they're far away. One lives in Pittsburgh, one lives in Richmond, and one lives in Chesapeake, Virginia, so they're far off. And my great-granddaughter lives in Houston, so... But, but she's coming to visit me in July. You get some vacation coming up. <laughs> yes, That's I good. Do. Very good. So hailing from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. all the way, uh, supposed to be Myrtle Beach, but you got here to Savannah. Yep. And um, very glad that you're here at Hughes Supplies, the inside sales for HVAC, uh, whether it's ducted or ductless. You are the guy to talk to. They can call here at Hughes at 912 they can get on HughesSupplySavannah.com, and they can come over here uh, almost on the corner of Ogeechee and Chatham Parkway here in Savannah into Hughes Supply. So I want to thank you very much for being on today. You are uh, the shell answer man for sure, <laughs> but anybody that gets that reference, uh, anybody over 40, I guess. Yeah. But uh, any final words that you'd say? No, I just want to say, I, I, even though I primarily do HVAC now, I had... 25 years of plumbing before I switched to HVAC, so I'm very knowledgeable on the plumbing end, too. So our plumbing guys are busy. I can probably help you out on that, too. I mean, we can talk about whether you want me to cut that out or not because they're going to start coming to you. <laughs> People, they hear, oh, you mean you? he can help me, too, with yeah, that? Yeah, They'll probably yeah. take you up on it. Yeah. Thank you very right. much for being with us today of uh, breaking down the ABCs of HVAC. There's a lot to it, but you can call Stephen and let break it down. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. That was it. It was pretty simple, right? Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, it was all right. Have you ever done a podcast before? No. This yeah, first one. i to find out where to go get it so I can listen. To it. <laughs> okay. I'll, yeah, I'll send it to you so you can, and then you can download it. And-